Hi, this is Justin. I can't get to the phone right now, but if you leave me a message, I'll get back as soon as I can. Thanks. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. One to the two to the two to the three. If you can hear me, go jump up a tree. <laughs> Hello. Uh, that was terrible. But welcome back to another episode of the Voicemail for the Soul podcast. It's been a minute. Uh, I've been busy. Things have been eventful. Uh, but on the bright side, the eventful things is what gives me more stuff to talk about. Um, but this is a specific request that I got from a friend of mine. Shout out to Dina, who I believe just finished her psych NP course and believe she finished and passed her boards as well and is waiting for her license now. But she actually reached out and was curious about my COVID activation for, uh, the Maryland National Guard. So this one's for you, Dina. Shout outs and congrats to you, my friend. So, um, if you've listened to some of my previous episodes, just in terms of like career and things like that, I did mention that I was working both on the civilian side and for the military as a National Guard member, basically a part-time army person and then a full-time civilian. But I have certain obligations that I need to fulfill for the National Guard. And, oh, sorry, some buzzing. Um... No, why is the fly down here? Gosh darn it. That's unfortunate. Um, and I can't kill it right now, can I? I don't know. Um, so basically, when COVID, this is crazy because when COVID started, so my brother was actually in China at the time because he teaches at an international school. Um, out, hold on, I gotta kill this fly. I'm gonna go drive you nuts. Hold on. Uh, while I go kill this thing, just let's take a moment to listen to uh, my sponsor. Okay, apologies for the interruption. Um, thankfully, I can just pause or I can like stop and just restart. But yes, I had to kill a fly in the room. My apologies. But basically, um, so my brother was in China for because he was teaching at an international school overseas. And he was basically telling me about um, the pandemic or COVID. Uh, but it was kind of like ramping up, or I guess it was more, since it started in China, it was more of like a widespread thing or like it was becoming a serious thing there first. And this was, I believe, more so in December of 2020, December slash January of 2020. And the crazy thing was, I was actually supposed to go visit them um, around somewhere in terms of like January in the 20s um like the 20 something of you know of 2020 also sorry december of 2019 was when i was talking with them and then january of 2020 was when i was supposed to see them but the crazy part was that the week before i was supposed to fly out unfortunately due to some like circumstances i actually had to cancel my flight um it was like two weeks before i think I had to cancel my flight because of some work schedule. But then crazy enough, all the the, um, the US shut down all like international travel because of the because of COVID, like the week after my flight was supposed to happen. So it was kind of nutty 
because if I had left and then I was supposed to be there, I think for about like a week and a half, I actually would have gotten stuck in China right in the heat of the, of the, of the outbreak. Um, because yeah, like I wouldn't have been able to come back. I don't know. Maybe I would have as, because I'm like a U.S. citizen, but I literally would have gone there right when the U.S. was shutting down their airports and then things started ramping up. I remember in the beginning, um, they were trying to take a lot of these measures to, you know, like reduce the spread. Um, and then like January went by, February went by. I think it just kept getting worse and worse, I believe, is what happened. And then in March, um, we, in terms of the Maryland National Guard-wise, we were told, like, hey, like, there's a possibility that we're all going to get activated for COVID stuff, like, be on standby. And I was like, oh, boy. Because at that point, I was had just basically started a new civilian nursing job. Um, I just finished my orientation, which was two months, and then I just started, and I was like, oh, crap, now I got to go. So they basically said, oh, like, be prepared for it to be, like, at least two weeks. So obviously, like, we're not certain for what, like, you know, we're not certain what it will be, but just, you know, be on the ready. So we get activated. At first, we're kind of just uh, at first, I think for the first week, maybe a week and a half, um, we were just doing a lot of preparation in terms of getting inventory, getting our vehicles ready, any kind of medical equipment, like seeing how much we had, what we needed, what we didn't have, so on and so forth. Um, basically assessing our medical capabilities, both by personnel and by equipment, so on and so forth. And then from there, we started to kind of get light of like more of what we we're going to do and so basically what happens is like we're ultimately controlled by the governor which was his name is I think Larry Hogan uh, so Governor Hogan who's the governor of Maryland was the one who basically tells us like what we need to do like what he wants us to do and so it ultimately panned out in the rising of these massive testing sites like outdoor testing sites so uh, you know if you're a Maryland resident maybe you're aware in terms of like testing sites like at these big parking lots near like stadiums and stuff like that maybe you have you saw it in like your own state but we sent a lot of our medics because i'm in a medical company um we sent a lot of our medics over there to help with testing and there were these massive basically tents and there's this massive layout like in the big um parking lots for people to basically get like drive drive through testings um so that was one of the big things that we did but then for me, like my main mission as a nurse slash as a provider was actually these nursing home missions. And so I don't know what exactly they na they named this mission. Um, I think it was like Operation like Hogan's Heroes. I don't know. It was kind of cheesy, to be honest. Um, but basically, it started off with us going to these like local nursing homes. Um, because obviously places like in hospitals or these inpatient settings had much more infrastructure, had a lot more, I don't know, maybe like funding or a lot more like equipment and technology to manage this, their situations, right? But places like nursing homes or long-term care facilities, uh, it's they're not that, like, they're not as heavily like decked out with stuff and with people. Um, they're not backed by as much um it's kind of saying like a you know like a college or university versus like homeschooling 
maybe that's dramatic. <laughs> um, but in, ter in terms of just like personnel and skill and um, and capabilities, it's just that I would maybe say that's a rough comparison, like a rough metaphor, or a rough equivalent, maybe. But because you know, due to the nature of a lot of these um, outpatient facilities, um, either like nursing homes or long-term care facilities being hit, one of the missions, mission sets that we started to get was to go to these sites. And it was actually pretty interesting because we got to partner with um, the Maryland Department of Health. And so they were state employees that we like, we would do these site visits. So we had these small, I guess, like medical teams per se, and it would consist of a provider and then a couple, like maybe two or three medics. So within the two medical companies and the medical detachment that are part of the Maryland National Guard, um, I think we pulled together maybe like four or five teams. Because not because and the difficult thing was that any like medical providers in general that were part of the guard, if they were considered like uh, frontline workers, like AKA like in the emergency department or in the hospital, then they didn't have to come. But for me, since I was in inpatient psychiatry and like in my unit, they don't deal with medical issues. Like they, they don't have to deal with medical issues because they make sure that they medically clear the kids before they come on. And so I wasn't directly dealing with COVID there. And honestly, I thought it's like, man, this is uh, like a once in a lifetime opportunities. So like that's why I chose to do the activation instead of staying at my civilian job. But yeah, I was one of the very few like medical providers that were actually there. And so I think we had a couple of um, physician assistants. Um, I don't think we had any docs, um, maybe a couple of nurses, but I basically led one of the teams. And so what we would do is that there, there was this um, like medical headquarter um, that would basically get these mission sets and coordinate with the Maryland Department of Health and um, also federal employees, I forget what they were called. Um, oh, the Depart U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, uh, short for like HHS. And they, because they were also, they're basically like federal employees um, and medical providers that uh, they also got activated to support COVID-related things. So we both partnered with state employees and federal employees um, to visit these sites. And with that kind of interprofessional team or that collaborative team of a variety of professionals with all different kind of backgrounds and skill sets and stuff like that, we would go to these nursing home facilities and we would basically just assess the situation at each of these facilities in terms of um, how they're managing their facility, how they're managing like COVID precautions um, and what they're doing, like if they're like what their procedures were and what their standards were and, and so on and so forth. And pretty quickly, we developed a, a certain standard that we needed to assess the facility for. And of course, we would provide any kind of recommendations or support that we could. Um, we also were doing uh, N95, um, like N95 mask fitting, mask fittings for various facilities and also like trainings and stuff like that. Um, and even for some of the facilities that maybe got like overrun and they lost like a lot of their staff members, then we would actually have to intervene directly and like provide direct patient care. But that wasn't always um, the case. And whenever like we would talk with basically administrators and the managers of the facilities, um, kind of go over like the logistics and and the administrative portions of kind of how they're managing those different things, whether it's like manpower or infrastructure or, you know, 
quarantining and isolating and, and that kind of those kind of tasks. Um, and then we would go inside to do like an actual physical, um, like visual assessment of the facility and, and where they were keeping their, their positive or their, um, their like quarantined cases and like how they were, they were managing them in terms of like physical barricades. Like did they have like a method out in, good like proper methodologies of hand hygiene in the various sectors like of their building um were they maintaining like proper contact and isolative precautions um for their for their uh patients that were in their facility so it was a lot of that and then we quickly basically developed a standard in terms of what we would be assessing at these facilities and then we'd have to fill out uh, on that assessment and send it back um and within a span of two months basically we visited about like 220 nursing homes in the span of two months it was a lot but it was amongst like four like four or five teams so eventually we'd ramp up to like two or three site visits a day um like monday through friday and yeah, it was it was pretty crazy because like some days we would just figure out like the day of because there was a lot of there's a lot of um, chains that like in terms of communication, there was a lot of different chains of communication to go from like the state to us to the facility to the state. Like it was a lot of just um, like hoops we had to jump through to try to communicate certain things. So I remember some days like we would figure out the day of and we just have to head out the door and like within the hour to get to a place that was maybe like 15, 20, 30 minutes away. But some of the other places, like maybe on the eastern shore or like far western Maryland, would take like up to even like two hours just to even get there. So it was kind of crazy. We were going all over the place. um, And I would like I was always the one I was kind of the lead for my team. um, But the the medics that would go with me would swap out like every like every basically every day because there was um, like a work cycle for them. So for certain days, they would go to either the testing sites or to help me in the missions or they'd be resting, so on and so forth. So it became a pretty consistent grind of like going to these facilities, doing these assessments, coming back, rinse and repeat over and over again. And we got decked out in these like full, like full PPE. Like we were in like the jumpsuits with um, like the face shields and N95s and gloves and everything. I basically look like a spaceman. Um, yeah, that's that's the best way to put it, honestly. Was it absolutely necessary? Um, probably not. But, you know, I think at the time we were trying to take as much precautions as possible. So we did that for about two months. And I believe we went to every single nursing home in the state of Maryland, which should be around 220 some, maybe maybe more. And that was kind of a crazy feat. And then near the end, we also started delivering test testing kits to these facilities as well. So we basically became like glorified um, FedEx people. Um, so we would do these site assessments in addition to doing the test kit deliveries. We would do testing for some of the facilities in terms of like their employees and then some of their patients there if they needed help with that. Um, but yeah, I feel like after like the back half kind of shifted more towards the test kit deliveries once we started doing the once we got through a lot of the assessments of these facilities. Um, but yeah, and eventually we 
the whole thing was that we were obviously spearheading this effort at the very start or like at the heat of the pandemic. But of course, the goal is to kind of start the effort, but be able to hand it back off to the civilian or state or federal, like local um, agencies so that they can, whoopsies, so that they can continue to manage the operations and um, like basically adopt the operation and continue it forward. Because, you know, we're activated for emergencies. We're not there for, like, in a permanent way. So our first COVID activation lasted about five months, um, five to six months maybe, so almost basically half a year. Um, but it was funny because when we started, they're like, oh, like, okay, like, it's going to be at least two weeks. And like, okay, like, it's going to be a month. But then literally at the end of every month, like, oh, like, we're going to go on for another month and another month and another month. And that basically happened for a whole year. Or not, sorry, not a whole year, for about half a year. Um, and it was, it kind of became a grind in terms of like Monday through Friday. We would basically go out for these site visits um, almost every day. And it would, it would ramp up at certain points and slow down a little bit on some days. Um, but yeah, I would do these site visits. I would come, I was staying at a hotel that was near like my installation. Because um, at the time I was like over an hour away. So they were providing housing for um, people that were beyond a certain radius from the station. Um, so I would just, after I was done, I'd go back to the hotel. Uh, I would eat. I would just <laughs> bum out, sleep, wake up, go back and do the same thing Monday through Friday. And then on weekends, um, yeah, I mean, just, just chilled and tried to rest. Uh, and just, that was my cycle for about half a year. Um, and after I was done, uh, I finally was, I kind of took a little bit of a break, I think for about two weeks. I just, um, just took time to recover and I spent time with family for a little bit, obviously in, in the safest way possible. Um, but yeah, that was my first activation and I'm actually on a second activation now, but with a, for like in a different way, like my job that I'm doing right now is very different to what I did in the first activation. But, um, yeah, now it's, I've also reached like the half year mark because I started in November of 2020. So my first activation was from March to July, um, I think. And then my second activation is from November until now. And right now it's June. So how much is that? November, December. I'm literally counting this out. <laughs> November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Oh my God. Has it been that much? But yeah, um, it's kind of crazy. It's been over half a year um, that I've been doing this. And yeah, um, it was interesting. I think the cool things was to be able to work with both the state and federal um, employees. HHS was, I think a lot of them were from the South, but they were basically also just uh, medical providers that um, on the civilian side that they practice, but then obviously in this kind of uh, uh, act emergency, they were activated and they would do these like tours for like a couple of weeks and then go back. But I met some um, some pretty awesome people, um, both from on the state and the federal side. And even at some of these facilities, some of the just uh, like other employees, like other nurses or docs or like managers or administrators of the facilities, um, I mean, I felt really bad for some of them because just their facilities kind of got wrecked. Um, but some, you know, some others were like super, super nice. Others were maybe not so cooperative. So it wasn't always easy, but 
all in all, like all in all, I'm very grateful for the experience. It was very strange because obviously this was very an unprecedented event and this kind of pandemic is not something that we've seen in history for quite some time, um, if at all, like recently. But I think due to that nature, it was very, you know, we had to kind of like work on the fly, like things changed all the time. And yeah, just last minute missions, like literally, you know, heading out the door like an hour after hearing something. And yeah, it was kind of crazy driving all over the place. But also just it allowed it allowed us to work in a smaller team um, and work more per, like closer to each other. Um, so I definitely got closer with certain individuals, got to meet a variety of different people from either the facilities that we visited or um, some of the other our counterparts in terms of like state employees and federal employees. And yeah, if I look back, it was a weird time. Um, but yeah, I, like, I don't regret it at all. I think it was a very interesting experience to kind of see how uh, on the military slash state um, and federal side, like how those kind of efforts were were coordinated to try to support the public. Um, and it was cool to be part of that. But there was also, I feel like a lot of, I don't know if like bureaucracy is the right word, uh, but a lot of that stuff too, where it's like, I don't know, like you realize that there is, um, I don't know, I don't know, maybe like drama, but there's always like certain intentions behind things. And um, you kind of realize like, like what is being said, like to the public isn't exactly what's happening, like in terms of like what we're doing, but like we were portrayed in a certain way, not in a bad way. Um, but you kind of realize like what I guess, like I was kind of like the worker bee um, and just the way that we were being portrayed or the way that we were being utilized served a certain function. Um, but as being the worker bee of that function, or I don't want to say like ruse, it wasn't a disguise or anything, but you kind of realize the certain nuances when, you know, at that higher level, like whether it's, um, like in the news or at that like kind of state or like federal level, like they say that X, Y, Z is happening, but then people that are actually on the ground, maybe might see things like a little bit differently or like recognize that it's a little bit more different than what's being preached to the public. And once again, like not in a bad way or like in a misguiding way. But it's interesting just to see how, like, the job of people in, like, public affairs is obviously to make things not just look pretty, but obviously to to create a certain image um, for the public to either, like, reassure them or to keep them calm and things like that. Um, so it's just interesting to see that at that level as well, where um, they're trying to manage a, a proper image to to support the public, but to also to keep them safe and to, to support them and to keep them calm. Um, cause there was some crazy stuff that happened, but now I like, I understand the importance of like good PR. <laughs> um, but also sometimes, um, I don't know, I would say maybe not all the times I, I agreed with what was put out and how it was put out, but at the end of the day, like, that's not my job, right? Like my job was to go and, do, and, and accomplish the missions that I was given, um, and to provide that medical support to wherever I needed to go. Um. But yeah, just stuff like that. It was just very insightful and interesting to see kind of those dynamics at the various um, levels and hierarchies and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think that's it for this one. Um, hope you liked it. I know it was kind of all over the place, maybe, but it's been like over a week since I've done an episode. I'm like just getting back from... <sighs> Uh, some time off and yeah I like kind of got to get back in the rhythm of this but 
Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any other questions or would like to hear anything more and more detail about either my first COVID activation or even my one that I'm currently doing, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to talk about it or, you know, fill you in on whatever you'd like to know. So until next time, uh, be safe, stay hydrated. Uh, also take the time to enjoy the sun. I mean, it is summer and I feel like a lot of people are still working inside. Although I feel like there is a very big transition happening in terms of um, just the outside world right now. But yeah, make sure to take time to, to take care of yourself, to, to treat yourself too. And come back next time. Come back and we hope to see you soon. Okay, bye.